the first reading is Ezekiel 34:11 to 31 and can be found on page 866 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his uh, scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountains' heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lay down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flocks with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. It is not enough for you. Uh, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will not, no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the surrounding place, uh, places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield their, its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victim of famine in the land, or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You are my sheep and the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. The second reading is John 10, 7-15, and can be found on page 1076. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I started the 9.15 service with a joke, but it went so flat, like one of those two-year-old bottles of Coke that you've given a shake and opened, so I'm not going to do it. So, uh, so there you go. I've told you that I'm not doing a joke. What a way to start a sermon. Uh, over the, as Sarah said, over the last two weeks, uh, we've been looking at our Advent series. And this is our third week in our series, only our second week in Advent, but I've gone for the Christmas jumper anyway. Uh, obviously, everyone else didn't get the memo, um, but I've gone for it. Uh, and over the last few weeks, yeah, we've looked at the coming of a king uh, in the line of David, and the coming of a king who it also turns out is a priest. I don't know about you, but a king makes me think of palaces and fancy dinners and armies. And a priest makes me think of great temples and cathedrals, rich robes, swinging incense and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I can kind of see how those two things, the kind of the king and the priest, can sort of fit together. But, but today, well, the today, as Sarah said, we're looking at shepherd. And a shepherd, well, that makes me think of muck and fields and, and cold. So how does a shepherd fit with a king and a priest? But the idea of a king being a shepherd isn't as far-fetched as maybe it first sounds to us. In fact, it was quite common in the ancient world for kings to describe themselves as shepherds of their people. It's a common idea in the Old Testament as well. But why? Why is it a go-to metaphor? Well, because believe it or not, shepherds and kings had very similar jobs. That's what Ezekiel tells us. Let's have a look and see what it says. In verses 12 and 13, we see that a shepherd gathers up scattered sheep. They bring order in a society like a king does. In verse 14, a shepherd brings sheep to rich pasture. They make sure their people have enough food to eat. That sounds pretty obvious to us, but do you remember those early days in COVID when everyone was sort of battering down the supermarket doors because they thought they were going to run out of pasta and loo roll? It's the, it's the job of a government to ensure people have enough food and loo roll. In verse 25, a shepherd, and some of you out there I know will still be using the loo roll you got two and a half years ago. Uh, in verse 25, a shepherd protects their sheep from the outside threat of wild animals that want to eat the sheep. Just like a king protects his people from the outside threat of foreign invasion. So a shepherd, you see, it does, does a lot of things that a king does. And as in Ezekiel, we also have an added dimension. The shepherd protects the weak sheep from the strong sheep. The shepherd ensures that there is justice and fairness among the flock. That's verses 16 to 20. And so we see then that the shepherd really is a king over sheep. A sheep king. Not quite as impressively sounding as the lion king, is it? You imagine him holding up a baby sheep. Um, doesn't quite work as well. A sheep king. And if in this big illustration, the king is a shepherd, well, of course, that means the rest of us must be sheep. 
you're cast, I'm cast in the role of sheep. How do you feel about being a sheep? Why don't you turn to your neighbor, just spend 30 seconds. How do you feel about being a sheep? Go. Well, let's come back together. I've no idea how long that was. I didn't count. But let's watch an advert instead. We're going to watch an advert now. Now, now let's watch. Nobody can tell you There's only one song worth singing They may try and sell you Because it hangs them on To see someone like you Life gets bigger when you break from the herd. The Volkswagen Tiguan. Life gets better when you break from the herd by buying a Volkswagen Tiguan, apparently. Now, the the small print there said, don't put your pets in front seats. Don't put them near an airbag. So there's fair warning for you if you want to go and grab a sheep from off uh, someone's field. Don't follow the herd. That's what all the adverts say. Cars, I haven't been paid by Volkswagen. There are other, other, other car brands are available. Perfume, clothing, don't follow the herd. Be yourself. But of course, the irony is that companies like Volkswagen, well, they, the advert says don't follow the herd, buy our car instead. But of course, what they want people to do, what they want everyone to do, is not to buy that other brand, but buy their car instead. If only one person saw the advert and bought the car, they're not going to make money off the car. They want everyone to buy their car. They just want the herd to follow them. And in fact, following the herd is exactly what people do. It just so happens that at the moment, what the herd is saying is don't follow the herd. When culture tells you, be yourself, don't follow the herd, And you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to be dead brave. I'm not going to follow the herd. I'm going to be myself. Then guess what? I hate to break it to you, but you're following the herd. Especially when being yourself and not following the herd happens to involve doing lots of culturally popular and relevant things. If our culture says, be yourself, And here's some socially acceptable ways to be yourself. Here's how to express your identity. Here's how to entertain yourself. Here's how to spend your money and frame your life. And you say, okay, well, then if you don't realize it, guess what you're doing? You're following the herd. And the truth is, we're all following a herd. It's just that what the herd says changes. Fashions change, cultural ideas change, but if you're following along with them, then you're following the moving herd. And the reality is, of course, humans are social animals. Even if we claim to be against culture, we're always reacting to it. 
and often in a tribe or group of our own people like us, surrounded by our own little herd. We need that. We want that. It's how we're made by God to be in a herd. Just like we need good laws, just like we need good order, just like we need protection from outside threat and the the knowledge that there is food on the shelves that we have enough money to buy. We need all of these things. Whether we're introverted or extroverted, we need a herd. It's just the way we're wired. And so just like that, me, you, we're, we're like sheep. And sheep need shepherds. And in the olden days, that meant kings. People who made sure there was peace by imposing just laws, by protecting against other countries. Who might the sheep of this modern world be? Why don't you turn to each other again, 30 seconds, think of cultural influences, think of the government. Who might the uh, sheep of this modern world be? Go. Well, let's come back together again. Let's come back together. We won't take any feedback. Never take any feedback. Um, Well, what's unique here in Ezekiel, absolutely unique in the ancient world, is that God says he will be the shepherd. Verse 12, as we've already seen, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. God will gather them. God will bring them to a place where they have all the food they need. God will protect them from outside threats, and God will ensure justice among them. But then if God is going to do it, well, what's verses 23 and 24 all about? It says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant, David. He will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. So hang on. God is going to do it, but then David's going to do it. And how can David do it when David's dead? All of this is left ambiguous. It's left hanging in Ezekiel. Instead, our Ezekiel passage concludes with these beautiful words, these beautiful words of hope, where God says, then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God. And so we're left then with this great vision of God's people together in harmony and safety, resting in their shepherd God. But we're also left with serious questions. How will God do this? Who is this David figure? And how can they both be the shepherd of God's people? And that, of course, is where Jesus comes in. Jesus is the answer to the questions because he is both the descendant of David, Matthew 1, if you want to check, who can sit on the throne, and the Son of God, the Christmas story, the Son of God come down to earth. Jesus is the answer to this great mystery. And so when Jesus makes his I am statement, when he says, I am the good shepherd, well, he's deliberately saying 
that he is the one who fulfills the promise God made to Ezekiel. In the verses before our Ezekiel this reading this morning, it was already long enough. We didn't want to make it any longer. But in the verses before, God says something interesting. He says, Woe! Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you kill the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly. And so they were scattered. They became food for all the wild animals. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable. I will remove them and I will rescue my flock from their mouths. So you see, our reading, our passage from Ezekiel is God's answer to this. God's prophecy here is against those who are supposed to be the leaders of God's people, but who God says have utterly failed to care for them. So God says he's going to roll up his sleeves and take charge. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying he'll do in our John passage today. He compares himself to two groups. These two groups, they represent those wicked shepherds from Ezekiel. The first group is thieves and robbers. They're those who want to abuse the flock for their own advantage. The second group, hired hands. Well, they're maybe not as bad as the thieves and robbers, but they just don't care what happens to the flock. It's not their flock. And Jesus compares himself to these two groups and says he is the answer. He is the good shepherd who's come to roll up his sleeves and take charge. He will strengthen the weak. He will bring back the strays. He will feed the sheep and protect them from outside threats. Just imagine it in the modern day for a moment. Think of one of those giant factory farms with no ventilation, no room to move, fed nothing but some kind of artificial mulch, living for nothing but to be slaughtered so that your owner can just turn a profit, can just get by. Well, that's how God says his people have been treated. Maybe, maybe you've been in jobs or, or you're in a job that feels a little bit like that. Maybe life feels a little bit like that. Day in, day out, grind. A meaningless counting down the days to the weekend. A meaningless counting down the days to that holiday, all too briefly gone. Maybe you feel like that now with Christmas. Maybe you're counting down all the working days left till Christmas, even though you know it'll soon be gone and you'll be back to work again and it'll be cold and dark in January. This is where our worldly shepherds have left us. Lost. And then Jesus says, but I am the good shepherd. Those who came before me have failed, but I will truly care for my sheep. I won't exploit them or neglect them. 
I'll know them by name. I'll love them, protect them, give everything I have for them, even to the point of dying for them. The good shepherd has come down to find you, to break your cage, to call you by name and lead you to rich pasture. And so in Jesus, we have a shepherd king who does two things. Firstly, he knows us intimately. That's verses 14 and 15 in John. In fact, he knows us as intimately as he knows his own father. Jesus isn't just a nice shepherd who cares about his flocks like one of those jolly farmers off the TV. No, he knows us all by name. He's picked every one of us out by name. He knows our deepest fears and worries. He knows what we need. And he's always with us to reassure us and offer us hope. And secondly, in Jesus, we have a shepherd king who offers us safety. Jesus gave up his life to gather us into his flock. So he's never going to abandon us now. He will do everything to protect us and keep us safely in him. In Jesus, we can have total assurance that whatever we've said, whatever we've done, when we've put our trust in the good shepherd, he will hold on to us and never let us go. How often do our hearts stray away from him and yet he always gathers us up? always, and brings us home. He will keep his promise to bring us to be with him and his father forever. How amazing is it to have a king like that? In a world which tells us we're only as good as what we give, where we feel stretched and strained just to make ends meet, Jesus is the shepherd king who meets us where we're at, calls us by name, gathers us up, and brings us safely home. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son, our shepherd king, who knows us by name, who has come to gather us up, who will always be with us, and who will protect us and bring us home. Help us to always trust in him, and help us to praise you for your grace in sending him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.